I certainly don't feel less of a man because I have told you that I'm gay. The thing is, it does not, it does not define who I am. Mm. I define who I am. I don't need labels or flags or I don't need political statements. I don't need, I don't need any description of what that means. I'm not less of a man because I have come to determination that I am gay, which by its very definition of the word means I'm now happy. What's up, guys? This is Zach, and you have just stepped into the dark blue. Today, I am talking with Jake Starkey, and Jake's been a part of the dark blue for quite a while now. I'm really looking forward to speaking with him about life in general, and this is the what this podcast is all about, is just really connecting with regular guys who have made... Uh, who've been making big changes in their lives and and growing and learning about themselves. And so uh, Jake is a great example of that. And I'm really uh, excited to hear what he has to say about uh, just his his life right now and uh, and where he's where he's come from and where he's going. So um, that said, I want to welcome Jake Starkey. Thanks for joining me, Jake. Hey, guys, welcome. Thank you so much for letting me uh, be part of this great experience. Jake is actually one of our Dark Blue Men's Groups ambassadors uh, up in Salt Lake City. And uh, it's, you know, doing a killer job over there. We're getting things rolling with these men's groups. And it's really cool. Some of the, you know, the, the guys that we have involved with these groups and all of the life lessons that they have and things that they're doing in, in their lives. And, um, and yeah, Jake, you're definitely up there. And I'm really glad to uh, have you part of, as part of this whole journey, man. Well, I appreciate it. Um, you know, it spoke a lot to me even before a lot of these changes have taken place in my life because um, I knew that it was a subject that has not been talked about much, that it's um, almost a social taboo, even in this, you know, 21st century acceptance environment. Uh, I think that men have been left on the verge because we're not pushing boundaries we're actually accepting our own selves first um, and trying not to put labels on ourselves or not let society put them on there. And I think that Into the Dark Blue is a vehicle for people to be able to find out where they want to go in life. And it's not filled with shame or putting labels on people. It's talking about real issues for real men in the real world without making them feel guilty without making them feel uncomfortable and without taking away their masculinity because that's really what this is all about yeah absolutely you hit it right on the head man that's what that is what it's all about uh really just self-discovery and self-awareness and things of that sort um and really just giving guys the opportunity to figure out who they are without being told who they are and so yeah so that's exactly it but uh, first off, I, uh, I've i got this really tasty beer from a local brewery here in San Antonio. Um, actually, one of the guys in the uh, the men's group here in San Antonio, uh, we've started um, trading trading beers and hanging out and drinking together a little bit. Uh, and so this is one that he brought me from Long Tab Brewing. 
It's called Bad Tolls, and it's from it's the uh, Fest beer for 2022 from Long Tab. So I'm pretty excited for the uh, Oktoberfest season. These beers are nice. Cool. Yeah. So what do you got over there? So I grew up in England, and I never really enjoyed the taste of beer. But somehow my grandfather, God rest his soul, in his infinite wisdom, would always buy we call it a shandy. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's oh, like yeah. half, half beer and half what we call in England lemonade or mm-hmm. like Sprite, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like watered down. But, you know, when you're nine years of age and you can go into a pub and you can ask for a shandy for my kid, you know, or for my grandson, it, it just becomes a natural part of, you know, going out and, with adults, but yeah. um, I I remember um, trying cider, mm-hmm. and I really liked it because it didn't have that hoppy taste, you know, and it didn't have that you know deep uh, taste like uh, when you're drinking Guinness or anything like that. Um, so tonight I am drinking Red's uh, hard apple cider, um, and uh, I have always enjoyed sweet cider. Dry cider to me, it's not palatable. I, I can't drink it. So yeah, yeah. Cider no, is a memory from home. That's great. Uh, yeah, and the the cider the cider in the UK is definitely a lot different than a lot of the stuff we get here. Um, it's almost kind of syrupy and very sweet. Um, and uh, you know, I've heard several jokes about the ciders there just attracting a bunch of bees. <laughs> Things of that yeah. Sort. <laughs> yeah and actually it's very cloudy as well you know um because that's made from those fresh apples and um i i'm not sure if this is all right but you know they're called um scrumpy apples they're a different type of apple they're not an apple that you would you know just eat off of the tree these are specifically bred apples yeah uh, for cider making and if uh, there is a um a version of cider called scrumpy and it is very uh like it's like a when you've got your own distill back in the backyard you know and you're making your own alcohol yourself okay so it's kind of like moonshine it it is kind of like that but you know they they come in these um large um clay-like bottles with a uh, a small uh handle where you put your thumb through it Uh um, and they have a special way of being able to drink it where um you put it you turn it and put it onto your shoulder and you put your mouth up to the up to the spout and then you drink that way okay. and so um it's it's uh, not in a glass it's not in a you know at a bottle or anything it's it's in this uh container it's probably about 12 inches tall and uh, it's curved at the top and it has a very small little handle and yeah that's that's what people that's what people drink back home that's cool. I've never heard of that before. It's a skill. Trust me. <laughs> you will if you if you've never tried it before. You better learn to do it the best, the right way. Otherwise, you will be covered in very sticky cider. <laughs> nice. All right, I'm gonna get this poured, man. I'm excited about this. Nice. And then you you've got it into your into your dark blue um, oh, glass, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. I had this beer on tap uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, always always a pleasure having a fresh beer on tap. But this is uh, definitely a second 
second best, you know, um, drinking it out of the can and, um, you know, straight from the brewery. So I'm really happy about this. It's uh, got all the perfect flavors for a fest beer. It's actually getting a little cool here in San Antonio finally. So I'm like enjoying these nice little holiday flavors. Uh, does it have cinnamon in it or pumpkin? No. So, I mean, fest beers are going to be, I mean, I'm not an expert on fest beers, but I know they're going to be more malty kind of sweet ish you know not quite as quite as not quite as hoppy and okay. um yeah so they're kind of they're kind of like a, a bitter belgian oh okay yeah so yeah but i love german style beers because they're very simple like i i went through a phase where i was drinking a lot of very flavorful beers as far as like these added flavors mm-hmm. especially stouts and things like that where it just tastes like marshmallows and it tastes like you know just whatever whatever they're putting in it it's you know all the really heavy spices like you were just talking right, about right and uh or really heavy coffee flavoring and not just not necessarily coffee but it's like a sweetened coffee flavoring right and they're just intense but uh but yeah so more recently over the last couple of years i've started drinking much more simple beers that are just really quality made and um easy to drink you know yeah. And they're not trying to hide something, you know. <laughs> I, I've noticed that um, when you drink flavored pretty much anything, you know, especially this time of year, uh, you know, people like to put stuff with, with pumpkin spice on everything. And yes. um, it, and it's fine for some people who like that, but I never grew up with that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in England, um, cider um, – can come in all different added flavors. I mean, there is some amazing fruity, apple, peachy type of ciders that are yeah. out there that, um, and the percentage of alcohol in them is far bet, far greater than it is over here. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but you're in Utah, so percentage of alcohol everywhere is greater. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. It is true. But I'm talking mostly about, you know, it's not going to be five or six or eight percent. You can right. get like, maybe uh, uh 10 or or 12% or 13% alcohol mm, yeah. and uh if you're not okay. used to drinking that strong it will put you on your ass <laughs> yeah for sure uh, that's funny i i remember uh when i was in uh in scotland i was in i was in edinburgh for a couple weeks uh years ago they had this strawberry kiwi cider and man that thing was so sweet i had it one yeah. night with a dinner that i i got i don't remember, i don't remember the food but i remember the cider <laughs> it was, yeah and it was just over the top sweet for me you didn't care for it the flavor was good but the sweetness was just too much yeah so yeah so for me the reverse is what i can't stand if it's right. dry like i've tried white wine mm-hmm. uh dry white wine I just can't get past it. It's like you're sp- it, you're supposed to be drinking something that is wet, but it makes your mouth dry. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a juxtaposition of the both of them. You're like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. All right. I hear you on that. I, I Yeah. There. So I will tell you, if you can find it up there, there is a cider from Ace Cider. Okay. They make a pumpkin cider right now. Okay. So it's essentially like a spiced apple cider and it is so good. It's one of my favorite ciders. You just get it nice and cold and uh, it's a great fall beverage. Um, Okay. Yeah. So if you like spiced cider, like hot cider or wassail or whatever. Okay. 
Yeah. Is it? Is it? So it has alcohol in it. It does. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I I I look. I see if if in the very dry state of Utah that they have that stuff here. Perfect. Sounds good. If not, I can see if I can send you some. But don't tell anyone. no one's listening <laughs> all right well hey man i i'm really excited to get into this topic tonight i think we have a lot of really great things to talk about um so let's go ahead and get into it sound good that sounds perfect all right if you follow along with the dark blue and you have not tried sheath underwear yet what are you actually doing with your life get on www.sheathunderwear.com save yourself a lot of rubbing a lot of chafing and a little bit of money with promo code dark blue all caps dark blue you'll save yourself 25 percent, and a portion of your purchase also goes to help us build our network of men's groups at independent breweries all around the country so let's make this happen guys get on sheathunderwear.com All right, so you've got a kind of a big story to tell, man. Um, and it's not unrelatable probably to a lot of people. I'm sure, you know, others others have probably experienced similar things. But, you know, talking about them and talking about this journey that you've been on, uh, you know, we don't necessarily do a lot of that. And so I am just really excited to hear about where you come from um, and all of that. So if you can just, if, if you can break down for me just a little bit of your background and sure. um, why why we're having this conversation today. Well, you know, one of the best things that I can say about myself is that I've never been satisfied with the status quo about mm-hmm. where I am currently. Um, although, to be fair, it's taken me a long time during the last series of my life for me to get to where I am now. Um, so like I said earlier, I was born and raised in England, and um, I, my parents got a divorce when I was very young. And um, living in a in a house with two older sisters and a half brother, um, where I never got along with my brother at all. Um, it's just that that friction that always existed. It didn't matter whether we were eating, or whether or not we were sleeping, or whether or not we were in a car together. We just it was constantly battling with one another. And um, my parents, uh, you know, like I said, I got divorced when I was very young. Um, so I never had a father figure in my life. Um, uh, even though my mom got remarried, uh, he was always very absent. He never, he never really tried to make a, that much of a difference in my personal life, and he was never really interested in me. And uh, you know, he would um, drag me to soccer games, or we call it football in England. And you know, it was in the dead of winter, and you're standing there because we couldn't afford the seats. You were in the standing section. Um, and freezing my ass off. And I'm thinking, why am I here? It's, <laughs> it's so distracting, the cold. And, you know, you're supposed to get involved in the sport, but literally your balls are freezing off and uh, and you can't concentrate. Your face is burning because it's so damn cold. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it was forcing his version of masculinity mm. that that um made me very resentful to having um, a very absent role model in my life, which, you know, 
a lot of men, a lot of boys, especially teenagers, need to have a positive male role model in their life mm. that is not going to uh, take them to either being narcissistic or misogynistic. Um, and, you know, I grew up with a grandfather that was a chronic alcoholic my, my whole entire life knowing him. Um, and so even today, the smell of uh, whiskey, scotch, um, it just turns my stomach. And, you know, he, you know, being an alcoholic was never a good role model either. So my whole childhood, I was yearning for that male role model. And I didn't realize it at the time. And so, you know, having an overbearing mom that decided that she was going to be a, a nurse and work nights, leaving me at home with my two older sisters who weren't interested in learning about me mm. and a, a, a stepdad that was not present. So it left a lot of, a lot of bruises, a lot of, um, a lot of ego that had been bruised a lot and um, a lot of dents in, in my life that just carried through all of high school. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, essentially into more present things, right? Well, so I went to college and I remember, uh, you know, it, growing up in England, uh, we have to wear school uniform. So everybody wears the same colors. You know, you wear black black pants, uh, a white shirt, a, a black and gold tie. All got all of the guys had to wear ties. Mm. Um, you know, and we would wear blazers um, in, in the winter time, um, and we would or we would wear sweaters. We call them jumpers. Um, and you know, everybody had to look the same, so that you had a bit of a school pride, but also that when you went out in public. Everybody knew what school you were at, mm, um, yeah. and so when I went to when I went to college, I rebelled against that and wore black from head to toe. Uh, I dyed my hair black. I wore black on my nail polish, and uh, you know I wore black laced up pants and you know boots and all of it. You know I I was rebelling and you went full trying to, Oh, I have a hundred percent. We call it we call it punk. You know back in England, mm. so. Uh, and so and that was my rebel stage. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I was now with the benefit of hindsight, I was literally yearning, absolutely desperate for attention, for uh, any type of um, role model in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah, that I man, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think that's a I think that's a pretty common thing, you know, when we grow up with uh not very strong, not very strong role models or you know, confused about who our role model models should be and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, I I went through my rebel phase, I think, much earlier, um, you know, when I was a teenager, and it was this weird contrast of like punk rock skater kid and jesus and it was very strange um but, but you no, know i can relate that's why i'm laughing because i can relate yeah yeah can you tell us a little bit more about that kind of yeah thing? so um leading up to you know having distant parents and no role models and um 
you know, having uh, a very dysfunctional family home life. Um, I was at college, like I said, and one of my friends who was a, she was a returning student. She was like in her, I would say in her thirties, mm. um, she was married and she already had uh, four or five kids. Um, and she came to college and she was pregnant. Uh, and you know, it was one of those late in life pregnancies and she took a little shining to me and we would sit and talk, um, during lunchtime and, and she would always ask me about whether or not I was happy. Have I found happiness in my life? And it wasn't a religious conversation per se. It was more like a philosophical conversation. Yeah. And I remember her asking me, you know, after a period of a couple of weeks, we'd meet up at lunchtime she'd be like would you like to come to my home and you know we can talk more and so i did and uh you know i got to meet her husband and her kids and um turns out that they were members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints mm. and um they're they actually ended up being a role model for me that i had not realized that i needed because i saw a stable family with structure, with rules, and with, uh, uh, you know, loving parents that were okay at hugging and kissing and telling you that they loved you, which I never had, you know, and uh, sitting down and having dinner and talking about family life, even before we talked about religion, it was all about family. And then she started talking about religion and you know, at growing up, we were not practicing Christians. We were just, in England, it's typical to call yourself a Christian, but you're not a practicing Christian. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, after a couple of more weeks of talking and, um, you know, going to church. Now, bear in mind, I went to church wearing black from head to toe. You know, I nice. was still in my rebellious stage and I thought, you know what? I'm going to scare these Mormons. They're yeah. not going to like me. And you were still in England at this point, right? Yeah, still in England. I, I'm like, they're not going to like me. They're not going to want me in their life. You know, I'm, I'm, I, that's what I, I craved that type of attention. That's why I wore black. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have been further from the, from the truth because they absolutely loved me. Mm. And regardless of whether or not I had, really long spiky black hair and uh you know i wore nail polish on my like i said on my fingers um i i went there and i felt something that i've never felt before and now i can put a label on it and it was community it was um a sense of belonging okay that i desperately needed for my whole entire life mm. um and so you know after studying with her and uh, the missionaries that the church sends out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I decided to join and I, I became a member uh, when I was about 17 and a half. Okay. And um, I, uh, cause I was in college, um, like I said, and I joined and slowly, but surely the, uh, the rebel side of me decided to, uh, uh, you know, go a little by the wayside. And, yeah. you know, instead of me wearing black old, I wore a white shirt, maybe in black pants and, and, and white and black shoes, you know, and then I didn't wear the nail polish. And, mm -hmm. you know, and eventually I didn't wear any of that stuff anymore. Okay. And that, do you think that that 
kind of came from feeling more accepted in a way and having, you know, more uh, positive influences? Yeah, I guess all of that, you know, um, having seen that uh, the, the family that I was with, you know, going to their home and, and, and talking with them and not just seeing it in that family, but seeing it in other families as mm, well, yeah. something that uh, I really craved and I, I really wanted. And, you know, Zach, as a uh, sidebar, this is a huge revelation for me because I've never really put two and two together like yeah and um right now yeah right now absolutely I, i'm i'm having uh a very eerie feeling that i've missed out on this revelation for such a long time and mm. here i am now talking to my friend on zoom realizing that that's exactly what it was the whole entire time yeah just acceptance yeah that's what i craved yeah um, and so um, after I, I joined the church, I, uh, you know, I advanced in, in the church and, uh, you know, learned their, their tenets and, you know, their beliefs. Um, and, you know, I remember I was about to turn 19 and um, I remember the local uh, leader of, the, of our congregation said to me that he wanted me to become a missionary. And I'm like, okay, didn't think much of it. And he's like, well, just sign here and we'll get the ball rolling. And I signed away and probably about a month or so later, uh, I get a very thick envelope from the United States from the church telling me that I was um, going to be a full-time missionary for 24 months assigned okay. to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Interesting. And that was my gateway to come to America. So that's a pretty interesting history like that, you know, going from, you know, growing up the way you did to going into the church. Um, there's a really big shift. Um, do you feel like that was something was that shift hard for you to make at all like going from kind of a kind of a secular life to living more of a religious life well religion has always played a part in my life even if it was not structured even if it was not going to sunday school every sunday or or service mm -hmm. uh in england the predominant church christian church is the church of england Mm -hmm. um and you know we call it c of e and uh, it's a and we use an acronym uh it's not very flattering but it's called Ch christmas and easter c of e yeah. right uh, so that's yeah. the only times you go to church is christmas and easter holiday christmas. um <laughs> exactly yeah that's a good that's a good um, description um what is interesting is that whenever we'd go to a country fair uh there would always be a christian tent you know with slides and music and books and you know all of that stuff and if my mom didn't know where i was she knew to find me there <laughs> gotcha okay so i i had a a very you know informal christian upbringing but yeah. you know i still believe that it, it, especially from my grandmother teaching me very positive um uh stories in the bible and about uh, living a good christian life without putting 
labels on it. You know what I'm saying? It was just yeah. try to be good in all that you do. Okay. That's really awesome. Um, so I felt like that's a pretty good foundation uh, to go into adulthood, come over to the U.S. and buy your, by yourself, right? You didn't know anybody here. Not a soul, not a single person. <laughs> so all of that time in between, I, I want to, I really want to get into, you know, more of your recent stuff because I feel like uh, talking about that foundation really leads into a lot of the things that you've been experiencing over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, at a point in your life where you're making a lot of big changes and coming to, uh, you know, a number of, of revelations, right. That we've talked about yeah. over the last, over the last couple of years, a yeah. uh, year and yeah. a half. And, um, I, I would really love to hear, you know, a bit, a bit more about those revelations coming from, you know, going through your time in the church and now being where you're at. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, where those changes started for you in the recent past? Yeah. So, um, I've been married for 30 years this, uh, November, uh, actually this October. Um, and, uh, the whole entire time that I was married, I'd always be asking more and more questions about who am I? What am I doing here? What is my purpose in this relationship? Um, and I've always been more worried about how I can help other people than I can help myself. Mm. Um, and uh, in, uh, I think it was 20, 2017, 2018, uh, one of my very good friends from church shot and killed himself. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, I had spent um, a good part of almost a year um, going over to their home almost every single week, um, maybe sometimes even twice a week, talking to them about you know their issues and about some of the problems they had. And uh, he had a um, he had a very uh, difficult time with pornography that he was addicted pretty much to watching it as any opportunity that he could and. Um, you know, his wife knew about it. She was there. And um, but things started getting really bad that between the two of them. And no matter what I could do to try to help them as their friend, I mean, they were completely open with me about everything. Uh, and that's rare these days. You know, it's very rare. Um, uh, and, you know, he sent me a text one night and told me that he loved me as a friend. And he's grateful for the things that I tried to do to save him and be there for his family. And within 30 minutes of him sending that text message, he shot and killed himself. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, and you know, that was a big turning point in my life. Mm. Um, I, I couldn't cry uh, after the, the ceremony, after the funeral, uh, I couldn't cry anymore. I was in, basically incapable of being able to process any of those emotions because of, of that moment in time. And, you know, it started to, it started to build up and I, I decided I needed therapy. Um, and I decided that um, I was not going to, I wasn't going to end up where my buddy ended up. And uh, that was a very big turning point in my life is that, coming to terms with a low point in your life and asking yourself where else can i go there is no there's nowhere else for me to be right uh, um and 
I remember many times using an analogy of a small candle in a very dark room. Mm -hmm. If you concentrate on the darkness, you're never going to see that light. However, if you focus on that one single solitary good thing that's in your life, then you can handle all of the shit that's out there, all of the crap that comes flying at you, as yeah. long as you have that one anchor point in your life. I love that. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how much light one little candle can put off too. you know, help us, help it, us see where we're going. <laughs> especially realizing that you don't need much of it as yeah. long as you have just a speck of it in your life. Wow. Um, and, cool. uh, you know, with going to therapy like I did, um, that helped me center myself. It helped me um, come to the reality that I needed to start asking questions mm -hmm. rather than seeking answers. Mm. Okay. And you see, there there's a big fundamental difference in that because a lot of times people just want that quick answer. Yep. A lot of times men will have a problem because of their history with their father or with their grandfather, the history of their mother, even exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a good point uh, where they feel like their, their, their role model is even if it was a really bad role model, mm -hmm. it's all they had. And they pass that on to the, you know, to their next generation after them because they don't know any different. And yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to stop that with me. I did not want to pass that on to someone else. Yeah, that's and uh, <laughs> that's uh, breaking that generational trauma is such an important thing, you know. And I've been hearing so much more about that recently, and people kind of, you know, coming to that that realization that they want to stop that cycle, you know. And the choosing to go to therapy is such a big step. It's a huge step um, that I think you know a lot of people don't necessarily come to. And um, I think that's really amazing that you were able to do that, you know, and recognize that, hey, I don't I don't want to be like this. So I need to find help and to to take that step and move in that direction. That's uh, really uh, commendable. That's awesome. Well, you know, it wasn't just therapy that helped me. You know, I. Uh, I decided that, you know, I needed to start taking care of myself instead of. You know, sitting on the couch watching TV all the time and going to work, sitting in front of a computer all day long, Yeah, that I needed to do something with my life. And I'd been having some lower back pain and I went to a chiropractor and he said, look, I can only do so much, but yeah. you're going to have to start doing it for yourself. And he recommended that I go to a, um, a local hospital gym. Okay. You know, and, uh, I went there and, uh, you know, I tried to do it by myself. You know, I was thinking that oh, I'd have enough willpower and determination to go. Yep. Well, we both know how that would end. <laughs> and I would go, I would put in what I thought was a good effort, but it it wasn't my best. And yeah, yeah, we, I, uh, we don't, yeah, most people don't tend to push themselves as hard as they could. You know, it's just like they put, we'll push ourselves to like the edge of comfort. And it's just yep. like, oh, I'm, I'm about, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I decided I went to um, one of the guys that was a trainer there and I asked him, I said, you know, would you, you know, show me how to 
can you see this equipment? And he'd be like, sure. And I'm like, and if I feel comfortable with you being my trainer, you know, can I sign up for a package deal? And, you know, after, after working out with him for almost three years on a very regular basis, um, opened up an entirely different world to me. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a gym rat. Don't get me wrong. I am <laughs> not a gym rat. Okay. Yeah. But um, I have noticed you've be, you've become pretty fit over the last like six months. So, well, you know, the, the thing is that I had a therapist that took care of my mind. I had a trainer who turned out to be my best friend yeah. that could take care of the body. Mm-hmm. I needed something to take care of the emotional side. Yeah. And I found it in the strangest of places. I found it in my barber. Okay, there you go. You didn't expect that, did you? You were expecting some other philosophical experiment. <laughs> but no, I did. I found it in my barber. And I found three great men in my life. Uh, my therapist, my barber, and my trainer best friend. Yeah. And it's almost like it's starting up for a joke, right? The three of them meet in a bar, you know? Um, a tr- a trainer, is, a barber, and a therapist all walk into yeah, a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I didn't realize how much of a pivotal role those three men would take in my life and coming to terms with a question that I knew the answer to, but I was always afraid to ask. And uh, it came to the point in my life where I knew I wasn't comfortable in my marriage. Uh I wasn't happy. My emotional and physical needs were not being met. I am not going to disparage my wife at all. Okay, but just wasn't it a good came fit. To, it was not a good fit, and you know, after a couple of years of good therapy and good um, hair barber therapy and good workout therapy, um, I came to terms with who I am, and uh, I came to the realization that I was no longer going to hide behind a mask anymore in my life, and I decided that it was okay for me to accept the fact that I was gay and that I was not going to be ashamed of it anymore. I wasn't going to hide it. Uh, I decided that I was going to read um, about stoicism and philosophy um, and Buddhism and not to take away from my Christianity at all, yeah. but I think to add to it. Yeah, for, um, for sure. Exactly. And to broaden those horizons so that I can, I can, yeah, I can see more about myself. I I am. I mean, you guys listening can't see this right now, but I have the biggest fucking smile on my face right now um, to hear Jake say these things out loud. Um, You know, he and I have been talking about these things over the last couple of years and um, I've seen, I've seen you come so far over the last couple of years and your your willingness now to open up about it and um you know accept fully accept who you are and you know find your life what what it means what your life is um within being fully who you are is just yeah so exciting to see man and to hear you say that out loud um and i'm really i'm really proud of you it's it's really awesome
Into the Dark Blue has partnered with our favorite CBD shop, Alamo Botanicals, to give you guys easy access to your favorite CBD products. My personal favorite is the water-soluble CBD that you can drop in your water in the morning and head out the door. It'll help you with your focus and anxiety throughout the day and simply just help you get your job done a little bit easier. I also really enjoy the Moringa Skin Food. Uh, it's great to uh, get rid of some of those blemishes and uh, red spots on the skin and just really give you a nice, healthy glow. So head over to alamobotanicals.com, save yourself 10% with promo code DARKBLUE, all caps, DARKBLUE. A portion of that also goes to help us with our mission to create men's groups all around the country at independent breweries. So help us make that happen and help yourself be a little healthier as well. Head over to alamobotanicals.com. I appreciate the fact that you can say that to me and I don't feel embarrassed. I don't feel ashamed. And I certainly don't feel less of a man because I have told you that I'm gay. The thing is, it does not, it does not define who I am. Mm. I define who I am. I don't need labels or flags or I don't need political statements. I don't need, I don't need any description of what that means. I'm not less of a man because I have come to determination that I am gay, which by its very definition of the word means I'm now happy. <laughs> I love that. Yep. Yeah, for sure, man. That's really great. Um, I, you know, you're in, you've made a lot of changes <laughs> over the last, what, how long has it been? Nine months now? Yeah. Um, yeah. Moved. Um, so can you tell everyone a little bit more about that? Because I, I feel like there's a lot, you know, a lot happened in a very short period of time uh, yeah. where you made some very clear realizations and moved um, mentally and physically forward. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, I had to make a very big decision in my life, not only, you know, coming to terms with the fact that I'm gay, but also that I needed to, I needed a change in my life. I couldn't be satisfied with the status quo. Um, and I had been looking for a job in all different parts of the country. And I'd applied for a couple of them. And COVID put a stopper on all of that for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, in, in retrospect, I'm glad in a non death wish way that COVID happened because <laughs> it allowed me the, that growth time, you know, yeah. to, to see my therapist, my barber, my best friend and work out mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually. Um, and I had applied for a job working for the federal government in Salt Lake City back in 2020. And I, they were going to offer me the job, but they told me that because of COVID, they had to put the job on hold. And uh, in uh, November of 2020, I get a phone call from the HR manager telling me that they're going to reopen up the position and whether or not would I like to apply for it. And that's very rare for any manager, any HR manager to call you up. It, I think it's a lot rarer having a government uh, HR manager call you up to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the realization was that 
I was just going to apply for the job. I didn't think I was going to get it, you know, because, you know, it was clear across the country. I was living in Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, I had, I had already planned to go to back to England to see my family. And so uh, during Christmas time, um, I took time off and I, I flew out there and I spent good time, quality time with my family. And uh, I came back and I was invigorated. You know, I, had that vacation buzz that we all get from there and, yep. and you know, catching up with family and friends and stuff and uh, eating good food and drinking good drink, you know, and uh, <laughs> cheers. Uh, and I get a phone call uh, asking if I wanted to do an interview. And I said, sure. And I, I did the first interview actually, you know, through, uh, through just like this uh, through Zoom. And uh, I get told that I can. They want me for a second interview, and they I I did the second interview, and they uh, told me that they were going to let me know, and they actually told me the next day that they wanted me to to start working for them. They offered me the job. Awesome. And I I was so overwhelmed with the weight of that phone call because it wasn't just starting a job. Mm -hmm. It was starting a new job starting a new job with the federal government, moving clear across the country, finding a place to live, and coming to terms with who I wanted to be for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And the most difficult conversation I have ever had in my entire life was telling my wife that I wanted to go, but I did not want to go with her. Mm, yeah. That I wanted to spend some time out here in Salt Lake City to find out who I am and what I want to be for the rest of my life. Yeah. And of course, you can imagine that build up to that conversation uh, was, uh, it was exhausting. And, you know, I, sure. I'm going to give, I'm going to give kudos to my buddy uh, for being there. And I think every man deserves to have a buddy like mine, you know, uh, where, uh, regardless of the date and time of the of the call or the need that they they will be there for you and sure uh, i i think that that's part about into the dark blue that i like is that that i can share now with other guys is that we don't have to be loners even if that's what we've been for all our life you don't have to struggle with your emotions and it's not feminine to have emotions yeah, not at you all. Know, yep. it, it, it's okay to have feelings and act on them and, and not be them. less of a man. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I accepted the job. I had that very difficult conversation with my wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, a month later, I packed my small little car, literally a small little car without a trailer, and yep. drove from middle georgia to salt lake city through a blizzard <laughs> and never driven in the snow in my entire life yep and i made it on time i had found a place to stay uh that was furbished that you know it was, it was with a roommate and I, I i came in on a uh a, a friday night and i started my new job on a monday oof that's quick that's a quick turnaround yeah it's rough <laughs> yeah and so I have had this uh, journey of discovery, 
not yeah. only of my uh, my job and my my emotional state, but you know, coming to terms with the journey about my sexuality, yeah. my religion, my new life, my new job, my new place, and you know, waking up seeing mountains and uh, realizing, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful and. I now look at this this way that every day is a day that's given to me as an opportunity to prove to myself that I'm still alive. Yep. There's a uh, Latin phrase that's called amor fati. Mm -hmm. that's, that means the love of fate. And yep. I'm a big believer that I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'm not going to fight what's going to happen to me. It's not that I have to accept everything as a bad opportunity. It's just that I need to accept whatever comes to me and be a better man because of it, mm -hmm. not in spite of it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that personally I've learned over the years is that like, you know, we have to do the work that allows fate or whatever you want to call it to, to, exist in our lives to do what it's what it's there to do right um and it's like this interesting balance where we um we can't just sit and just let life happen to us because there are moves we have to make to you know um continue that path right um and if we're not doing the work on our end or if i if i find myself not doing the work and i get depressed or i get like discouraged for some reason and I stop doing the work that I need to do, then the things that are keeping me moving forward on my path stop happening. Exactly. Exactly. And you can't afford, no one knows how long we have in this life. No one. Okay. Uh, and every single person that has lived has either died, is dying, or will die. Okay. So, we don't like talking about it as humans. We don't like talking about it because we're scared. Yeah. Okay. And I am not saying, I'm not saying that I brushed aside that fear. Yeah. But when you come to the realization that we are all going to die, mm -hmm. the only inevitable answer to that equation is to make today the best day that I can possibly make it. So yep. that if I do die, I die with some form of satisfaction knowing that I did the best I could because we all go to a funeral saying, I wish I could. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wish I had been there. I wish I had spent more time with them. Mm -hmm. I wish I had told them I loved them. However, instead of going to my funeral and saying those things, how, why don't you just say it to me now where I can appreciate it? Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, uh, uh, I've been reading, I just started reading, uh, the Tibetan book of the dead. Uh, okay. Really interesting because it's all about the uh, Tibetan philosophy on death basically and how it's like the science behind death and using that to kind of remove the fear around death. Um, right. and yeah, you know, it, and so far it touches on a lot of that stuff, just the, the basic philosophy of, of death for the, for the Tibetans and, um, I, I'm really excited to learn more about it and be able to um, kind of absorb what it's talking about as far as being uh, present in each moment 
um, and ex being accept each moment, being able to accept each moment for what it is, uh, rather than being afraid of death and afraid of what the result of death is, you know, right. um, that a lot of, uh, a lot of major religions teach as far as like heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so this, this talks about, you know, um, being present with ourselves and being present with others. Um, and then being able to like be fully productive and fully, our, uh, fully authentic in, in each moment. So when the time of death does come that we can be sure that like, it's, it's going to be okay, essentially. Right. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, I think death is not for the, for that person. It's mm -hmm. for the people that you leave behind. Yeah, the funerals, and, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's not only that, but you know, my whole entire life, I've always wanting people to appreciate me and for people to um, tell me that they love me because I missed that as a child, you know. And I'm like a sponge where it comes to any type of um, pat on the back or an emotional slap, high five, or whatever, because I never had it. Now yeah. mm -hmm. the thing is. Like I said earlier, I'd rather have someone come up to me now and tell me, thank you. you you're, you're, uh, you're a great person. Thank you for that advice you gave me. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of you now. The thing is, when you die, they're going to come and say all of those things I said before, but you're going to fade into oblivion. Everybody mm -hmm. does. Right. Whether you like it or not, your grandparents, your parents, or someone that you know has faded into a memory. Yeah. The, the key is to live your life now and be in the moment and be present so that you can live that moment every day and Absolutely. go to bed happy knowing that you tried your best. Even if, and there's a lot of people out there this will apply to, even if it means they got out of bed, went to the bathroom, got a drink and went straight back to bed. Yep. The thing is, let's count the blessings that we have or the or the or the karma or or the intuition that we have in saying I am going to be a better person. Mm. What can I do to get there? And to wrap it around to into the dark blue, this is the philosophy of this great organization. What can I do now, regardless of what shit happened yesterday, what can I do now to make it a better day for me and for the people in my life that mean so much to me so that oh. I can face the next day being a much better man because of that? Absolutely, man. Oh, my gosh that like that just made me feel things i love that um you know usually usually i end the podcast by asking uh if you had if you have one piece of advice for uh, everybody listening uh, out of everything that you've learned over your years um what would that be um and i feel like you already said that i feel like that's i feel like uh <laughs> that was well uh, impact impactful for sure so. i i think i think that to surmise no one knows what's going to happen next, right? Uh, let's be there for each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm grateful for you. I've never physically met you. I've never actually 
seen you face to face other than through electronics. Yeah. But that's not a barrier anymore to friendships. It's not a barrier for a relationship. It can help someone grow and become a better person because you now become a role model for someone else. Mm. And from the bottom of my heart, I am now more grateful for the male role models I do have because of people like yourself and your organization that I'm proud to be a part of, we can now do this for other people as well. And that's what I need to be proud of. And that's what we all should be proud of. Yeah. I love that, man. Oh, I feel like that's a great place to wrap it up. Um, and I, I want to say thank you uh, for joining me and uh, for telling everybody your story. And, um, and these are the things that I, I think really empower other people to, to live their stories and tell their stories and all of that and not be afraid to, uh, to let people know who they, who they really are and to be authentic in everything they do. And so um, thank you so much for all of your words and um, I love you. <laughs> thank you so much for, I love you too. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, yeah, I will talk to you very soon and guys, thank you so much for listening and have a great afternoon or evening or whatever it is right now for you. <laughs>I want to thank you for venturing into the dark blue with us today, where we're always striving to foster a community of peers which empowers mental wellness, positive growth, and social awareness. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our community, you can purchase a pint glass or t-shirt from Sheath Underwear via the link on our merch tab at www.intothedarkblue.com or message us to make a one-time donation. All proceeds go to men's mental wellness initiatives. If you ever need a listening ear, feel free to message us on the website or at into the underscore dark blue on Instagram. If you have an emergency or need help from a professional therapist, we offer several resources on our Get Help page. Last but not least, know your limits and drink smart. Cheers. <laughs>